podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Shut up and sit down. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, where you can find podcasts, interviews and content on a variety of subjects. We have series on football, mental health, serial killers, films, TV, conspiracy theories, wrestling, music and more. Uh, today's guest, formerly of Fightful.com, now working for The Score, uh, is one of the top MMA journalists in the world, in my opinion. Uh, and I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, MMA journalist and a senior news editor for The Score, Mr. James Lynch. Welcome, James. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And just want to clarify, I'm not a serial killer, just to uh, separate myself from the rest of the topics here. But uh, glad to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, no, it's cool. Then we got a we got a wide uh, wide variety of uh, series going on. I seem to spend my life at the moment recording with different people on different subjects, but some of them uh, merge together nicely. So it's all right. But they're not the serial killer one. That tends to be separate yeah. from everything. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's good to have a variety. So um, before we sort of talk into your career and some uh, mixed martial arts, uh, I was hoping you could tell us a bit about uh, how you got to where you are now, sort of starting with your childhood, where you grew up. That's uh, okay, yeah. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll give you, I mean, we could be here for a while if we, if we want to go into every detail. But basically, um, I'm from Canada, actually from Vancouver, um, born and raised there. Uh, always had an interest in sports, played a lot of different sports growing up, hockey, rugby, uh, soccer. Um, yeah, I mean, just anything like a normal Canadian kid would. And uh, somewhere along in high school, I wanted to become a sports broadcaster. Um, I really enjoyed sports. Used to watch it a lot, especially hockey. Hockey was sort of my number one sport, which, again, playing into the stereotypical Canadian uh, of liking hockey and all that stuff. And so I went to university for communications. And then uh, along the way, I remember just, uh, I think my second year of university, I just remember seeing The Ultimate Fighter and the first season. And I was like hooked. I don't know what it was about the show, but I remember the episode. It was the one where Chris Liebman uh, got really drunk and he ends up trying to get away from Bobby Southworth and he ends up going and like busting the door down to try and look for Bobby Southworth. That was like one of the most memorable episodes. And I don't know what it was, but for some reason I was really hooked on that show. So I immediately became a fan and started watching the UFC and then I started watching Pride and sort of everything else that came through it. And I was always a fan, but the goal, at, you know, once I was in university was to, was to go into hockey. And then I ended up um, getting, getting an internship at a, at a sports network and uh, ended up doing some script writing there. And then from there, I went to work at the Fight Network in Toronto. Um, so I, I, you know, I was going to university in Ottawa, which is like out east compared to uh, Vancouver. Wanted to get out of Vancouver just to try something different, expand my horizons. And uh, yeah, I ended up in Toronto a few years later. And ended up doing an internship. And then, yeah, like I said, went to Fight Network. And that's where, like, my fandom for combat sports was, like, amplified, like, times 12. Because uh, the Fight Network, back when I was there, uh, they were covering MMA. And they were covering boxing. And they were covering all these sports. So I really got to hone my skills there. And it was also there that I really learned how to edit v video, which would come into play later, uh, which I'll get to in a second. But, uh, yeah, and then, and then from there, I was at Fight Network for about four years, close to four years. I uh, ended up working at TSN, which is, uh, like, the Canadian ESPN. And then from there, uh, I was just working like a you know regular day job. Then at Discovery Channel, 
Then I worked for another digital company as well. And then once I had left sort of the full-time sports sphere at Fight Network um, and I was doing sort of these other jobs, uh, MMA was sort of a side gig to me. So, uh, you know, let's go to like maybe 2011, 2012. I was freelancing for a couple different sites, just doing some writing and just wanting to keep that uh, you know, interest in MMA going. And then, you know, maybe around 2013, 2014, that's where I started working for MMA Oddsbreaker and I started doing my podcast. And uh, that's sort of where my interviews came into play. And I remember uh, doing the audio podcast. And this was a time, even still, where I think a lot of people are doing just mainly audio podcasts. And, you know, it was going well and I was getting some decent guests, but I got tired of transcribing interviews. And I was like, you know, I've always wanted to be a broadcaster. Like, why not just, you know, do this on camera? So, I learned how to record video on Skype like we're doing right here and I just decided to start doing video interviews and they ended up going quite well and I you know I, I was able to kind of get my personality in there and it's just uh, for the fighters it was it was better for them as well just because you know they're getting on camera exposure as opposed to just you know being on someone's like audio podcast and my philosophy early on which ended up paying off for me was you know I'll interview anyone um, you know I think a lot of times uh, you know, you'll see people just mainly cover the UFC. I was covering regional MMA specifically and and doing UFC and Bellator interviews as well. But it was those early relationships I had with regional fighters that really paid off because a lot of the fighters that I've interviewed, you know, years ago are now in the UFC and they have that relationship with me, you know, dating back years ago. So uh, it basically, you know, I was doing that on the side, working a day job, all that stuff. And then basically when I became a dad in October of 2017, I had to make a choice. I couldn't do both. I couldn't just, you know, freelance MMA and have a day job. So I quit the day job calculatedly. Like I was calculated about it. I, I didn't just quit and, you know, hope for the best. I had uh, got on with a couple different outlets at the time. So back when I was working a full-time job, I was just working for MMA Oddsbreaker and Flow Combat. Once I decided to, you know, make the foray into full-time, I believe at the time I was working for Fightful was one of the first ones, which, you know, great fit. And they, you know, had, had me do my video interviews over there. Then I worked for Fansided, and then I worked for MMA Mania as well, doing some video editing. So basically, I was working for a bunch of different websites just to make it so I could do this full time because obviously I have bills to pay and everything else. And it was great. And I did that right up until, I mean, I, a couple outlets switched. Like, you know, Fansided, I left Fansided at a certain point and went to SureDog. And then, um, you know, some other sites came into play. I started writing for BJ Penn. I uh, started, work, you know, doing video interviews for MMA News and, and all this stuff. And then eventually it led to, um, you know, this past uh, May. I guess, where the score, um, you know, which is a huge, uh, you know, digital sports media outlet. It's, it's not a television network, but it's a big outlet that covers all types of sports. Uh, came to me and said, hey, we want someone to run our MMA department. And here we are today. So I kind of gave a long answer, but I think I kind of answered the question uh, to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. I went from point A to, to point B. No, that's cool. That's cool. I think um, one of the things I wanted to pick up on you straight away, obviously, I, uh, I'm a Welshman. And uh, I, they play rugby in. Uh, do they play rugby in Canada? Like in the they schools? Do. And Actually, stuff rugby's like that? rugby's pretty popular. So I went to a boarding school, and it was mandatory to play rugby. My my eighth to twelfth, I think it was eight to ten. You had to play rugby. And you know, honestly, if I had the choice of playing it or not playing it when I was in the eighth grade, I absolutely would have done something else. But I'm glad I did because one of the things that rugby really emphasizes is you know teamwork. Uh, you have to be in a unit. You know, when you're doing a scrum or anything. And so I'm really glad that I was able to do it. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was very, very um, you know, beneficial for me when I was playing sports. Yeah, that's really cool because like sometimes when I, sp I speak to people from like America or Canada and you'll say rugby and they'll look at you as if you've said like a, something they've never heard of. So that's quite really cool. But obviously, you know, Canada have got a rugby team were half decent as well. Um, so... Are you interested in any other sports 
in terms of like not necessarily to cover but like just as a as a fan yeah um i think yeah hockey's like my number one i'd actually at some point would like to get back into to covering hockey i've never actually had a chance to do that um with the score there might be some possibilities because they do have uh you know credentials for other sports so that's something maybe down the line i'll do but right now you know we're about a month in to the new job with the mma section so just want to let make sure that's all smoothed out first but um yeah i i love hockey that's like my number two and then i follow all other sports like pretty casually like uh, you know, I watched the NBA Finals, obviously, and, and the Raptors this entire playoff run. I used to live in Toronto, so um, I live in uh, Vancouver now. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I spent, you know, 10 years in Toronto. So following the Raptors to, to their, them winning the NBA title was was pretty cool. And I sort of keep an eye on what's going on. NFL, same thing. I kind of keep an eye on what's, what's happening there. Uh, boxing, I watch a little bit of boxing here and there as well, too. But those are sort of the main ones. And then baseball, like very little, but I still sort of keep tabs in it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a subscriber to The Athletic. Uh, which is, you know, in the U.S. is a, uh, you know, pretty big um, sports outlet where all sort of the major writers go. So I'm always reading up on every sport. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say, but as far as like dedicating time, it's definitely hockey and MMA for sure. Cool. So would you say in terms of, uh, you know, like you get some boxing fans and some MMA fans who are like one or the other and they're very traditional and they don't like the other side, are you sort of more towards the MMA side in terms of what you'd rather watch. Yeah, yeah, I would. I think I think with MMA, I think Joe Rogan said it best, you know, boxing is a limited form of fighting. I mean, you can only, you know, punch. That's it. Um, not to discredit anything away from the sport because there's certainly a you know a science to it. That's why they call it the sweet science. Um, but yeah, I mean MMA. If I had my preference, I'd rather watch MMA than boxing. Now, saying that, like if I have the choice between watching like Wild Bill's fight night and like you know Fury Wilder, obviously I'm going to watch Fury Wilder. But it really just depends on the fight. I think like we had Tyson Fury p- fight this past Friday. Like I had to watch Bellator instead. So I mean I caught that after. Um, so I mean you do have to sort of pick and choose. But if there's a weekend where there's a big boxing fight and you know maybe the UFC is not as strong, I'll, I'll probably watch that. So I'd say it's about, it just depends on the event. Yeah, and I think uh, it makes a difference, a big difference, doesn't it? Like, obviously, if you're not covering it, it's like, who's fighting? Like, uh, Tyson Fury is just an all-round entertaining guy, isn't he? Yeah, he, uh, he's just got a bit of everything. And he's got the the skills to back it up as well. He does. And I'm going to just look this up quickly. But uh, Tyson Fury actually was someone that when I worked at Fight Network, we interviewed like ages ago because he fought in Canada uh, against a guy. What the heck was the guy's name? I'm just going to look it up here. Um, yeah, he fought. He fought a uh, I believe it was a Canadian, um, you know, years ago. And and just, you know, this is it was it just it's weird to see him the star he is now, because I remember seeing him ages ago when he was young. And now here he is like one of the boxing's biggest stars. Um, you know, I didn't do a ton of boxing stuff, but I certainly remember hearing his name like, you know, we're talking like 10 years ago. And now here he is like this mega star. So it's, it's been cool to see. And I feel like right now I was having this discussion with someone else. I feel like right now boxing is in a pretty good spot. You've got all these different outlets like, you know, DAZN and, you know, really putting on high quality shows. And I feel like you're seeing more names now in boxing than, say, a couple of years ago. I remember when it was the Klitschko brothers. There wasn't a lot of buzz with boxing, but now you've got, you know, you've got, you know, Wilder and Fury and you just had Anthony Joshua lose to, to Ruiz. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff happening right now in boxing. And, and I think it's great for everyone. I like to see as much, you know, combat sports exposure as possible. Yeah, certainly um, an interesting period for boxing, because obviously previous to uh, Joshua losing, you had the three of them all wanting seemingly to fight each other. Um, and it seemed to be gearing up for a couple of mega fights. Obviously, Joshua losing just adds a little bit of sort of mystique to where they may go. And 
you know, Tyson Fury never lost his titles and uh, like he seems to be, you know, physically and mentally very fit. So it's looking good. And like you say, the more the the more big fights and big characters for combat sports overall, the better. I feel like the more people like Conor McGregor at his peak and even Chael Sonnen, you know, he obviously had his issues with like um, failed drug tests and things like that. And he never quite won the, you know, the big fight in terms of a title. But in terms of promoting a fight, there's not many, uh, not many as capable as him. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, and, and that's what you like to see. I mean, if I hear like my dad, I always use my dad as sort of the gauge of like how popular some fighter is. Like my, my dad knows Conor McGregor. My dad knows Chell Sonnen. So I think it's good if you're having, um, you know, notable names like this just to bring more attention to combat sports. Because I know boxing, um, you know, is, is always it's, it has a rich history. I mean, there's certainly people that have, you know, all over the world that follow boxing, not just in North America. But you would hope that MMA gets to that point where, you know, you have these these sort of household names where people are talking about it at the water cooler on a Monday or something. Right. So, um, you know, I think I think, like you said, the more uh, stars that they can produce in, in both sports, I think is great for everyone. Yeah. And I think an interest it's interesting, actually, um, I was having a conversation the other day with someone about the streaming services. Um, obviously, DAZN is spending mega, mega money on, you know, boxing, MMA and other sorts of things. Um, and obviously, then you've got this huge ESPN deal, which was, you know, a, the streaming deal was big enough. And then obviously, they've gone to the exclusive uh, pay-per-view deal where you can only get your pay-per-views through them. Do you think that the ESPN deal specifically is going to harm the pay-per-view buys for the UFC? Or do you think that they don't really care because they're getting their money up front anyway? I don't think the UFC cares. I think they just want to put it. I mean, to me, this seems like more of a beneficial move for, for the UFC and the owners than it is for the fighters. Uh, you know, they just they want to basically monopolize everything by having everything going through ESPN. Now, in Canada, I should point out that this doesn't affect us whatsoever. We can still go and buy a UFC pay-per-view the traditional way because we actually don't get ESPN Plus in Canada. Um, everything airs on TSN. So for, for me, it doesn't really impact me. But I, I know I've heard from Americans how disappointed they are that, you know, if someone's like, you know, if you have like an old, like a dad or something that doesn't know how to use technology and he has to order it through the, you know, the paper, the app. I could see there being issues there, but I, I don't know if there's been any sort of ripple effect from that. We'd have to sort of see more data, but yeah, I think I think like I, like if I did guess, I'd say it's probably more beneficial for the owners than the fighters themselves. Yeah, and I think the other thing is as well is if you live, um, you know, somewhere in America which is quite isolated, um, and maybe the internet connection's not that flat, not that quick. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. You can't order it through the TV anymore at all, can you? In America, you have to. Order I don't believe it so. Yeah, I, bl I believe ESPN it's through yeah. Plus. Yeah. So you know, if you've got, uh, if you live somewhere quite isolated and you want to watch the fight, you can't just phone up and get you know the pay per view. You've, you're you're going to struggle. And like you say, people, older men, women, or whoever you know, who are not really into that technology. If they've got to do a lot of faffing about and signing up to this and signing up to that just to order it, I feel like you may lose some viewers who will just think, oh, I'll watch the boxing on HBO or, you know, or whatever channel. So it's, it's certainly an interesting landscape with the streaming. 
Not just that. Uh, but sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but but uh-huh. I mean bars is bars as well. Like if you're if you go to a sports bar, like how easy is that for the sports bar to get ESPN Plus and put it on there? Most of them don't have like a smart TV or they they don't have the box to to order a pay per view. So I've been hearing as well that that's another thing that's been impacting because you know a lot of a lot of people don't want to pay for the pay per view. They'll go to a sports bar. Some sports bars won't carry it because they just don't have the the capabilities of getting the app and and having it stream across the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think of that at all. Of course. Because, like, if you go, I'm assuming it's similar in America and Canada that it is to, you know, to Britain. Most pubs or bars have got, you know, they've got flat screen TV or whatever, but they're quite often, they're not like, the, you know, the latest TV or the, you know, there's just a TV for pe- big enough to, for people to watch. Um, and they're not necessarily, like you say, smart TVs, which then, yeah, it means you can't order. But, uh, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. They, uh, yeah, so this, uh, it's an interesting twist. And I think, I've got to be honest, I think that's why Brock Lesnar's now retired because he didn't have the leverage of the sort of the pay-per-view buys because they didn't need to. Be, I feel like, you know, obviously, I've got no inside information whatsoever, but I feel like his leverage dissipated with this deal where they weren't reliant on the pay-per-view buys from the fight. I'd agree with that. I, I actually sort of have the same idea, and, and it might also be the same reason that we haven't seen Conor McGregor rush back, uh, you know, and take a fight because he hasn't. Uh, McGregor hasn't fought since the this you know new policy came in. I'm not saying he won't ever fight again, but I'd certainly add some roadblocks because, like you said, there was a percentage of the pay per views. I don't know how that trickles down to the fighters now. Like I said, so um, yeah, but I, I wonder if that's that that's you know that that's part of it as well because Brock at this point he's so old. I mean, he, he's really got to look out for the financial side of things. Uh, you know, if he does make a comeback because you know. If you're fighting Daniel Cormier that's not an easy fight right so no 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 yeah he he wants to get his money absolutely so um you mentioned obviously that you were you got into sort of video editing and um I saw on your I had a little peek at your LinkedIn page earlier um, and it mentioned about like a you got a decent skill set in sort of graphics and stuff did you um did you teach yourself those those aspects or uh, did you do those in university so i learned a little bit of editing in university i was actually trained on final cut and then uh when i worked at fight network that's when i learned adobe premiere and man that if, if anything that i've ever done i'd say that's one of the most beneficial things because i i can add i edit all my stuff in adobe premiere um, I'm very familiar with the Adobe products. I know how to use Photoshop and After Effects and things like that. So for me, I should have, I kind of left that part out of uh, when I was talking about what I was doing. But I, I mean, I see a lot of people wanting to do video interviews, but they have no idea how to do production. Whereas me, I was lucky where I, I knew how to, uh, you know, create like good templates and, and have really, you know, solid video like coming out. And I understand video formats and things like that. So I've really, not only was I able to, you know, produce like, you know, get good guests or get good interviews, but I also had the presentation look good. I mean, I, I, a lot of times I see people, you know, posting video content, but the presentation's not great. The sound's not great. The graphics don't look good. So that's one advantage I had as well that I think helped me, um, you know, get to where I got to today because like none of my stuff looks, you know, clunky. It looks, you know, fairly, yeah. fairly clean. Uh, if you look at, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, the, the presentation and I've actually done videos on this on my, on my YouTube channel, which I don't really update anymore since I've been at the score, but, uh, I like, I'm happy to share the wealth cause, uh, you know, I, I find that that's a lot of roadblock. Uh, that's a big roadblock for a lot of people's the editing side of it. But I would imagine now, I mean, even for after effects, a lot of that I had to learn on YouTube. Um, but premiere, I, I sort of learned back in the day and I've sort of been picking up tricks as I go along, but it's a good asset to have. If you're in media, learning video editing is a very good skill to have. Sorry. Um, yeah, my um, funny enough, my next question was, what software do you use? Because obviously, I'm about uh, 
thing this well this is number 35 i think episode um and i'm pretty decent with it generally but sort of video editing and graphics and stuff was completely out of my wheelhouse and quite new um <clears throat> and the, the first couple of episodes the i think the f- very first episode i did i used hangouts at a laptop and i th- the camera wasn't very good and you could see with my sort of graphics for the names and stuff and the overlay weren't that great but i feel like i've got a bit of a handle on it now and i've got to the point now where i feel like the software that i'm using is not quite as good as where i want it to be if you get what i mean i've sort of overtaken um so yeah i use uh film nora at the moment which you know is fine and is decent enough it does everything i needed to do but uh, i am looking into different uh different sort of different software to use so which one you said uh, adobe Premier, I use Adobe Premiere, yeah, and I, and I use a PC. I should mention that as well. I've always been a PC guy. Um, I can, I, I have a Mac as well, which I need to, um, I use for uh, like sometimes what'll happen is when I book an interview, some fighters don't want to set up Skype, which is where I record all my interviews. So I'll actually just, you know, if they have an iPhone, I'll just do the interview over FaceTime because on a Mac you can record record a FaceTime video, and then usually what I'll do is I'll take that video and bring it back over to the PC side and edit it over there. So, um, so yeah, I, I, to me, it's, um, yeah, I use, I kind of have a. I'll, kind of keep this simple if I can. So I basically, I record using, um, because I find the best quality when it comes to recording video interviews is for like recording my end of things. I use just the the default Windows uh, camera that's on there. You get really high quality video. I find with like the, the, the built-in Skype recorder and with a Vayer, you don't get as good a quality. So I record myself. Then I record my audio on my end under Audacity. And then I record the other person's end using a Vare. And a Vare's hit or miss, but the problem with the Vare is, um, or sorry, the, the, the reason I keep using a Vare is because the quality is just better than anything out there that I've seen anyway. So what I do is when I record, it only records the other person's end of the conversation. And then my end, I'm recording locally. And then basically I get these two files, I put them together, in Premiere, and then that's how I get my interview. I know it sounds complicated, but I'm so used to it now that it's it's not that bad. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty good, and I find it gets the best quality stuff out of you know anything I've done. Okay, I'll, uh, I'm gonna have I, I think I'll have a nose at uh, some YouTube videos later. Yeah, and, and hit me up after this too. I'm more than happy to answer. I get questions all the time about video recording, and so like I said, I have a couple tutorials on my channel because I was getting those questions all the time, and I was just like, look, I'll just make a video. It's a lot easier to to do. So uh, so I, I threw that on there, and and it, it's sort of like you know a just you know sort of an easy way to to figure out how I record stuff, and and everyone has sort of their own method. I know other people do. Um, they'll use like OBS or whatever, and they'll record like mm-hmm. live on YouTube. That's a good solution. But for me, like I do those, um, you know, fighter pick videos. So I like to record locally. That way I can do stuff that doesn't necessarily have to make it in the interview and I can use that content for later. So I prefer to record like locally as opposed to recording live like some people will do. So um, everyone's got their own uh, methods as well. And one other thing I'll mention is just uh, on my channel as well. I also have like, you know, tips and tricks. Like I'll I'll put out like I I have a video like top five tips I would give anyone covering MMA because there is really nothing out there like that. And I, again, I would get questions like, how'd you get into MMA? How did, what would you recommend doing? And I, I literally just outline it in five points. And I just say like, look, like this is what I would recommend you do. I'm not an expert, but these are things that help me along the way. Cause there's not really like, there's the MMA JA, you know, and things like that. But I find if you want to know how to make it in this industry, there's not really a lot of help out in that regard. So I'm happy to do my part on that. Yeah, cool. I think I'll, I'll be going down a rabbit hole of your uh, YouTube videos later on then by the sounds of it. It's, uh, but yeah, it's something which I'm looking to expand a bit now. 
like I prefer I don't do my shows live because I prefer to record them and then edit in things like the overlay and the you know the name tags and, it's and the it, it's, it's way easier to do it that way. Like if you record something live and something screws up, there's a bad connection. Like to try and edit that on YouTube is a nightmare. I, I actually had an issue uh, the other day where I had to take something out of a video. And rather than just try and edit it on YouTube and wait for it to you know finish rendering, I just was like, I'm just going to upload a new copy. It's way faster to do it that way. So uh, yeah, it's I, I, I think it's way better. I, w- I would recommend anyone watching this, if you're looking to do video interviews, record it locally if you can, because then that way, like I've had really bad connection issues sometimes. And through the power of editing, people don't even notice because I was just able to, you know, go through and actually clean it up. So that's a little tip. Cool. Yeah, I might, uh, I might look into that because obviously I tend to just record them within Skype, and then very, I got a few. I st- I used Hangouts a couple of times, but I found that as soon as someone joined the conversation, the camera quality really suffered. Yeah, it's on it's Skype. The, the yeah, this I find that Skype holds the camera quality a lot better and generally the connection is very stable so it's not very often and if you're going to do like like something long like i I do a podcast every monday and wednesday i do that on hangouts because that's so long like i wouldn't want to record that locally to skype (laughs) like i'm losing some quality but the convenience of not having to upload an hour-long video is just like it it just it just makes more sense so I, i would say to anyone looking to do any shorter interviews like anything between 10 to 20 minutes even 30 minutes i'd still do it locally instead of hangouts so Cool. Right. So, um, obviously, before you were before you were with went to the the school, um, you were working. You are you were freelancing, and um, you did some work for Fightful. Um, I've had a few guys from uh, Fightful, including uh, Sean himself. His show's coming out on Wednesday. Um, like obviously, Sean's helped me a lot with um, the podcast, and he gave me some advice about my son who's got ADHD. Um, and you know he's 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 been nothing but helpful to me. Every time I ask him a question, I've asked him several questions the last couple of days, and he just responds straight away. You know, even though he might not give me like a huge long message because he he's busy, but he'll always reply. He'll always answer my questions. Um, and he's to him and Jimmy Van, they just seem like really good dudes. Um, how did you end up sort of going to work with Fightful, and are they as cool as they seem? They are very as cool as they seem. I can't say enough good things about Sean Ross Sapp. That guy was great to work for. I'd, I'd gladly work for him again if we ever crossed paths. But um, I think it was, I mean, it really, I, I think it was one of those things where I followed Sean on Twitter like ages ago and we just sort of, you know, I would check out his work. He would check out mine. And I remember when I was looking for outlets, I knew that he was, you know, the managing editor of Fightful. So I just sent him a DM uh, saying like, hey, if you guys are hiring, like, you know, I'm looking to, you know, ads, do some more video interviews for some sites. And I had a lot of, obviously, a lot of content that I could show them because I had, I mean, at that point, I was, I had done hundreds of interviews, video interviews. So that sort of was, was easier. And he's like, yeah, you know, let me, let me see what we can do. And, um, and Jimmy Van, actually, I should mention, this actually started before that. So I think when I was working in my day job, I think um, they had actually reached out to me. This was like maybe earlier that year about doing a podcast with Showdown Joe with them. And I couldn't because I think they wanted to record like in the morning or something and I had my day job and it just didn't work out. And I think that um, there, there was an issue about me being exclusive to one of the freelance outlets I was working with. It was a long thing. but So I'd been in contact with them before, but I, I'd known Sean for years and everything. And then uh, once this Fightful thing happened, I actually went out for, for lunch with Jimmy Van because I, I lived in Toronto at the time. And Jimmy Van also lives in Toronto. So I had you know some drinks with them and we just sort of talked about what 
you know, what I could be doing for the site. And I sort of gave him some ideas and some things that I could do for the site. And, and it just sort of went from there. And, uh, you know, right from the get go, they were great. Um, they, they let me do as much content as I wanted. Um, I think I was doing like almost like, I think anywhere from like 25 interviews a month or something like that, but they were really good about it and really, uh, you know, gave me a, a good platform to, to post my content. And, um, one of the cool things about it too, that I think I it helped them was, you know, I, I try and tie in the wrestling stuff as much as I could. You know, if I talk to a fighter, you know, what do you think of pro wrestling? What do you think of this going on? Some fighters are huge pro wrestling fans. So it's sort of, you know, deep dive into that. So it was a really good relationship. And then, you know, like I said, when the score came around, um, you know, one of the downsides, unfortunately, was that I had to give up all the outlets I was working for, give up my YouTube channel because they wanted to be exclusive because this is a full-time position. So, yeah, I had to give it up, but I felt like this was the right move. You know, I always like to move ahead, and um, yeah, so so here we are. But yeah, nothing but good things to say about Sean and Jimmy over at uh, Fightful. They were they were awesome. Yeah, one of my um, actually, I th- and I think you're right that that when you came on board Fightful, I felt like the MMA uh, channel, there's or the M- yeah, it was an MMA channel then um, on YouTube. I felt like that got a real big lift for when you came on board. Because you were doing obviously so many interviews, um, and your personality comes comes across very well in the interviews, um, <clears throat> and I felt like they needed that because I think the the podcast that they do with uh, Showdown Joe and Sean, and then obviously you joined as well, is really good and it's really insightful, and I've always enjoyed it. But they didn't have as much content on the MMA side in terms of you know interviews and videos as they do on the wrestling side. And um, I felt like, like you say, you, your work certainly helped that. And uh, one of my favorite aspects was what you just mentioned, where you used to ask the fighters about, uh, you know, about wrestling or whether it was the current product or what's they, what they watched as kids or their favorite stars, you know, growing up and stuff. And often their, their faces would light up because it, sometimes they may have been asked the same questions hundreds and hundreds of times over a you know, a couple of day period is particularly, you know, when they're doing media over a couple of days and they, they would look happy to have a different question. Uh, you know, some men not, how's the camp going? How's this? How's that? Um, so yeah, that was real cool. What was the, um, what did you, what was the strangest response you ever got to like when you asked fighters about wrestling? Does any of them get uh, easily the John Fitch, or... the John Fitch interview I did earlier this year at Bellator 214. Um, he told me that he used to try and cut off the dicks of his wrestling characters or something strange like that, like just <laughs> totally unexpected answer. And uh, I remember Sean, like when I did the interview, he's like, oh, we're running with that headline. And I was like, yeah, that, that's fine by me. So, um, yeah, it, it. I mean, I've got, yeah, some fighters absolutely hate wrestling. Some love it. Like Curtis Millinder, you, you know, someone you wouldn't necessarily think would be a, a big pro wrestling fan. Like he had a WrestleMania viewing party at his place. Like that to me is cool. And, and I think that there's for some reason, like you talked earlier about, you know, boxing and MMA fans. Like I find that wrestling and MMA fans are so like, you know, the, like MMA fans are like wrestling sucks. It's fake. And then wrestling fans say like, oh, MMA. So, you know, this and that I don't like it like I to me I like all of it I think it's great I think if you know there's there's some good like wrestling something again I keep a very like decent eye on like kind of know what's going on not like I couldn't recite all the champions or anything like that but I certainly keep an eye on what's going on and I feel like working at Fightful sort of made me more interested in wrestling because I grew up a a pro wrestling fan a bit um, especially during the Attitude Era Uh, so you know for me it's I like, you know, getting to ask different stuff as well that's always a challenge in an interview so I was happy to sort of add that extra content when I would do my interviews. Yeah, and I think, like you say, with a crossover site, like Fightful is perfect, isn't it, when you can blend the two. 
And I think one of the funny you should say there about trying to find different questions to ask people. Um, one of the things I've been conscious about is obviously I've spoken to various different people, like ex-soccer players, doctors, journalists, people from Fightful, people from you know podcasters and stuff. And I've tried to vary up so I don't feel like I'm just asking the same questions to a different person. Um, and it can, you know, I found obviously I'm new to it, whereas you know you've got a good uh, good bit of experience with interviewing people. But it can be quite. I found it can be quite tricky sometimes if you're speaking to, like I've spoken to a couple of people within sort of wrestling podcast podcasting, um, and you sometimes it's difficult to ask different questions if that makes sense. No, it can be very difficult. And I, I had, you know, because I was working for so many outlets, I mean, there were some days, I'm not kidding you, I would do like 17 video interviews like that, like that, that, that's, you know, just because like, just the way the schedule works out or you can't get a certain fighter at a certain time. So imagine doing that many interviews in one day and then trying to come up with different stuff. Like it's, you know, I try and I usually what I'll do, and then this is a tip for anyone sort of out there. It's kind of common sense, but you'd believe, you wouldn't believe how many people forget to do this, but I, uh, you know, I'll go and check out their social media, their Instagram, their Twitter, whatever, and just try and find something that has some sort of interest outside of the regular house training camp. How's, you know, this and that, how's the weight cut, uh, just to get something a bit different. So I find that that's something too, where, um, you know, I try and, go that extra mile and just get get on their level i mean there's certain fighters that just aren't good interviews but if you can get them on that level where you can talk about something that you know they're interested in then the interview usually goes a lot better so it's just little things like that just keep in mind so speaking of interviews then um what does any uh, particular interview sort of spring to mind if i asked you you know what was the the craziest or most awkward or difficult interview you've ever had to do uh, well, craziest interview by far was I interviewed felony Charles Bennett, uh, formerly known as Crazy Horse uh, oh, Charles yeah. Bennett. Uh, I mean, this guy, he couldn't stay focused. Like, I'd ask him a question, and then he'd go off on something else, and he'd say really, like, you know, kind of obscene stuff, and you're trying to steer the interview. So, I mean, that by far is the most challenging interview I've done in terms of, like, trying to stay the course. And he was cool about it, but it just, like, like I had to win his trust over by just sort of, you know, going along with it. But uh, I could see that being a nightmare for other people to do interviews. Um, I've interviewed, you know, like Hannah Cyphers, who's not very, you know, outgoing. She's very shy. I'm sure you've seen that in some of her interviews. I've done, like, four interviews with her now, and I find that every time they're getting better, like, she's just someone who, like, you can tell has never been in front of a camera. So I sort of enjoy that challenge of trying to get the most out of someone um as far as like crazy ones i had one that i i don't know if it's still on my channel but i had a fighter get mad at me like in the middle of an interview because of something some other fighter said in an interview that i did with them so he tried to take it out on me and he's like i can't believe how disrespectful you are and i was like whoa like you didn't mention any of this before you did the interview like and the guy just ended up looking bad as well so i've had things like that um yeah and then like you know most memorable interview uh, I'm, I'm a huge gegard uh, musasi fan so i got to interview him in person at ufc 210 in buffalo and uh, it was it was awesome he was just a a really good interview I, in fact i just interviewed him this past friday again done a bunch since then so he's always like top of the list uh, interview and i'm sure you're gonna ask me at some point bucket list interview i mean i'd love to take the challenge of trying to interview nick diaz he doesn't do many interviews i'd love to just like try and get something with him i've never had the pleasure of doing that so that would be one for sure um but I, i've been very fortunate throughout my career to interview a lot of really great fighters and fighters that i wasn't sure if i'd ever get the chance to speak with but uh you know i've been very lucky in in, in that process to to do that yeah, there's a f some of them can be a bit prickly and a bit, uh, you know, they seem very inapproachable, some of them. And I mean, the, obviously, the, the thing which always interests me is 
you know, are they really like what they seem like, you know, in the news and in their promos and things like that? When you speak to them, you know, one-to-one in an interview, like people like the Diaz brothers, do they, uh, how can I word it, give as little as, as they, uh, yeah. I, yeah, some do. I mean, like, 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 you know, I interviewed Robbie Lawler this year at uh, UFC 135, the one in March, the Jones and uh, Smith card. And I mean, he's a tough interview. I mean, I tried. I tried to get different stuff out of him and, and it didn't work. And in fact, he got I mean, there's there's kind of a clip on YouTube. I don't know if someone had clipped it or not. But Lawler got mad at me during one of the media scrums because I asked him about a potential fight with Wonderboy. And there was a report on BJ Penn that said that that fight was you know being discussed. And Robbie, for some reason, was so offended when I I mentioned that, uh, you know, a potential fight with with Wonderboy. It's like he didn't, I don't know, for some reason it's like I told him something else. But uh, mm-hmm. so, I mean, you're going to have stuff like that. I do so many interviews, you're bound to have things that are going to go wrong. And, um, you know, you just, you push through it and you learn from it. And I mean, there's nothing I could have done differently in that situation. I mean, how was I supposed to know that he was going to be upset by that? So, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you got you got, you got to see it all. And it just comes with experience. You got to do the reps and, you know, know how to handle situations. Who was, um, who's been the most surprising person you've interviewed in terms of when you met him in person? Were they the same as what you thought they were going to be like? Hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of someone like recently. Um, okay, like uh, um, Edmund Shabazian, uh, who fought at 235. Uh, he defeated Darren Stewart. Um, you know, from what I know, he doesn't like doing a lot of interviews, but I, I got a really good interview out of him recently. Um, you know, when I was there, like I kind of just tried to have fun with it. And we, we started talking about video games at the end and he really lit up. And, uh, so that was one I was kind of unexpected. Um, trying to think of someone else recently where it's like, I wasn't sure how they would be. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I just try and make the best of every situation. I mean, you hear like, you know, being media, you know, we, we talk a lot, we know who's a good interview, who isn't, um, we know who's, you know, like some fighters are just really bad at like showing up on time or things like that. So you sort of keep notes on that. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say for the most part, I've, I've had it pretty good when it comes to the fighters that I've had the chance to interview. Cool. Have you ever ever, ever interviewed uh, Dana White? I mean, I've had, uh, you know, I've, I've asked him questions at press conferences. I've never had like a one-on-one with him. That's pretty tough these days with the media access and everything. But um, if you look on the UFC 238 press conference, I asked him about Vancouver, uh, the UFC coming to Vancouver, and he said yes. So that was cool for me because I'm from Vancouver and I'm happy yeah. to go to that card. So, yeah, I, I mean, technically I've spoken to him at, at press conferences a, a bunch of times. Yeah, he, uh, he always comes across a bit like one minute he seems really happy and then the next minute he seems like – really unapproachable and um i yeah i was just wondering if you'd uh if you'd ever had like a little sort of one-on-one with him because I, it does interest me to know what he would be what he is really like because obviously what i see of him is the majority of the time he's hyping up fights or talking about fights so i just wondered what he uh what he was like yeah, um, no, I'd say I'd, you're right, though. It's hit or miss. Or like, like for example, and I asked him this question about Vancouver, I usually ask him stuff about Canadian cards just because, you know, Canadian, I like to know these things. And a lot of times he'll just give me like a general answer, like, oh, we're working on it. We don't know. But for him to actually say yes, I was like, that's cool. And then I, I got a lot of people messaging me about that because they do some uh, some commentary uh, for a local promotion out here uh, close to home called Rise FC. So I had a lot of people from there messaging me like, oh, thanks for asking that because, you know, some of the fighters obviously want to compete in the UFC. And, you know, whenever they come to a certain city, uh, usually the local fighters are the ones that they'll sign, so it's uh, it's always good to know. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I think anything when it comes to like your sort of your home city, um, 
you always want to see these big events and big companies come and put on a show. So that must have been, like you say, pretty cool to ask it and then find out that it was happening as well. There's uh, a good result all around. Um, so obviously I'm Welsh, British, Welsh. Um, out of all, so I follow like, uh, you know, a lot of the British fighters. Um, out of all uh, sort of the UFC and Bellator, who do you think uh, is the best sort of British or Irish fighter outside of Conor McGregor who would give us the best chance of having another champion? Another champion? Oh, that's interesting. Um, where's Nathaniel Wood from? He's, I think he's pretty talented. Uh, the bantamweight fighter for the UFC. He's, yeah. um, I think he's English, is he not? I could yeah, be I wrong so. with that. Um, no, yeah, yeah, so, I yeah, I, I think I think he's a talent. I, he's someone to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I really like this, um, uh, Fabian Edwards kid, uh, Leon Edwards, brother who fights in Bellator. He's, he's been quite the standout. I've been very impressed by him. Um, yeah. And I mean, like, I'm just trying to think of like, uh, up and comers or anything like that. Um, you know, it's certainly different. I mean, you know, it, just like in Canada, I mean, there's, you know, there's fighters that, you know, come and go like, you know, you guys had Bisping forever and that was sort of the, you know, the name and, you know, Dan Hardy before that. And, uh, yeah, I think you're seeing now, um, you know, sort of like, a you know, passing of the guard or changing the guard now. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think some of the promotions out there like Bama and Cage Warriors are doing a great job of really developing talent. And that's where you're seeing a lot of these fighters get into the UFC and, and they're seasoned, you know, and they, they perform quite well. So um, it's good to see that that scene is, is going quite strong. But, yeah, if I had to pick one, I'll, I'll go Nathaniel Wood. I've been I've been really impressed with him. And I think his, with how old he is and his candor and everything, I think he's he's got all the tools to be something special. And I know that division's super deep, but uh, yeah, I, I think he'll do quite well. I, um, I really like uh, – oh, what's his name? Scottish guy, uh, Gregor. Is it Gregor Gillespie? I think his name. I forget. Gregor Gillespie. Yeah, he's American though. I'm. I'm almost positive. Is he? Yeah. Is he? I thought he was. I thought he was like Scottish American, and maybe I'm wrong. I might be wrong with that. Probably. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just looking up here. I'm pretty sure, unless he was born there. No, he was born in the United States. But certainly a name that would sound uh, British. He sounds like Scottish, and I like. Yeah. I like him. He's. Uh, he, he entertains me. The um. So obviously I'm Welsh. So like. I follow um, Jack Marshman and um, Brett Johns. Quite, I really enjoy Brett Johns' fights. Actually, he's always uh, always good for a, you know a, a good back and forth. Um, what do you think of those two guys? I mean, when uh, Jack Marshman first came onto the scene, I thought he might have a chance of going somewhere because he had loads of power, and obviously he's a soul ex-soldier or soul. You know, he's still a soldier, isn't he? Um, yeah. Remember you mentioned that in his last fights. Yeah. I just don't know whether I don't think I when he first came in, I was hopeful that he might sort of break into the sort of top 15. But he's uh, taken a couple of losses since. And I'm not sure. Do you think he'll ever maybe get to that sort of top 15 level? It's possible because, you know, middleweight's such a weird division right now. You have so many changes happening. You have fighters moving up. You have fighters, uh, you know, retiring. You have, uh, you know, all types of things uh, to go on. I, you know, again, I, I think anything's possible. He's fighting Edmund Shabazian on that UFC 239 card, which I'm actually going to. So, I mean, if he can get past Edmund, who's undefeated, that's a huge win for him. And that could really propel him up. Um, so it's possible. And Brett Johns, uh, I've been interviewing Brett since, like, 
probably before he made his Titan FC debut. He's a great interview. He always makes time for me. And uh, it's unfortunate what's happened to him in the last couple of fights. I don't know what the latest is on him or when we're going to see him back. But one of the things I always like talking to him about is he does like, you know, uh, car racing, I think. Um, it's like one of yeah, his yeah. side hobbies. So uh, I think that's cool, too. He's just he's a super nice guy. And uh, I wish he had, you know, I wish his, uh, you know, he had a bit more success in the UFC. Hopefully, uh, you know, his next opponent will kind of propel him up that way. But um, yeah, just I think two really great guys right there. As far as uh, John's, I, I believe I mean, how old is he? He's, he's probably under 30, I would think, or at least close. Yeah, to I think he's um, sort of he, 27, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, 15 to record. Yeah, 27. And I mean, he lost to Sterling and Munoz, who just fought each other. So, I mean, those are two really tough outings. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, he fights someone else. Uh, you know, he get right back in, in the swing of things. Because I was, I mean, that calf slicer when he had over Joe Soto, that was that was incredible. And uh, he's just, uh, he's fun to watch. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think both those guys, actually, there could be some potential there. Absolutely. So um, my friends uh, who are MMA fans would not forgive me if I didn't ask you about Conor McGregor. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge fan of him. Um, obviously, he's been in the news for the wrong reasons a bit over the last couple of years. Um, but you have, you've interviewed Conor, haven't you? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been at events that he was at, um, you know, I, I was, I actually went to, I mean, I guess the only thing I've technically sort of said anything to was I was at the May, Mayweather McGregor, uh, press conference that they had in Toronto. And I think I asked him like one quick question cause it was just a zoo with the amount of media there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was at, I was at 196 when he lost to Nate Diaz. That was the first event I ever covered in Vegas. Um, I was at 205 when he beat Alvarez for the title, um, which was you know historic, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I love watching Conor McGregor fight. I wish he'd fight more often. I get the politic, the political side of things where, you know, obviously he wants big money fights and I don't know who's going to fight next, but I don't think it's going to be Justin Gaethje because I think if he comes back, it's only going to be for a big name. And as great as Gaethje is, he's not that type of name, like a Cowboy Cerrone or Nate Diaz or someone like that. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping he'll come back soon. And, you know, we talked about the pay-per-view, uh, stuff with Brock Lesnar. Maybe that's another reason why we haven't seen him come in either. So um, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully they can figure something out because you need Conor McGregor. I mean, he is he is a guy that they, uh, you know, it, it's just better when he's around in terms of what it does for the sport. But saying that, you got to be careful here. You know, what, what happened to Ronda Rousey? You know, when Ronda lost to Holly Holm, I know she was adamant about fighting for the title again, but they should have sat her down and said, look, you're not going to beat Amanda Nunes. We'll give you anyone else on the roster. Because here's the thing with Ronda, and, and I'll get back to McGregor in a second, but this is, you know, I think it's important to mention. If Ronda fought anyone else in the bantamweight division other than Amanda Nunes, she wins and she could have gone to WWE on, on a higher note or she might have stayed in the UFC and, and still done quite well. But they literally gave her the best striker in the UFC in Amanda Nunes and she tries to stand and trade with her, which is a terrible mistake. And uh, she got knocked out. And that's unfortunately what people remember Ronda as is she couldn't beat, you know, some of the best. So I'm worried that the same thing could happen with McGregor here. You know, if they give him Tony Ferguson, if they give him Poirier or whoever, uh, you know, if they do the Habib rematch, it's not going to go well. They got to get Conor a win here. If you lose two straight fights, your stock goes down big time. Few fighters have been able to come out of that and still maintain their status, like a Chell Sonnen who recently retired. But it's just they, they got to get Conor a win here. And I think you got to give him a fight that's going to be competitive, which is why... I thought the Diaz fight made sense because Diaz had the layoff and he's coming in and McGregor at least has fought a little bit more and you know it's it's and he, he had already defeated him so I think there was there's a way to him for him to win there but we'll we'll see what they decide but they got to be careful with McGregor because I think him losing two in a row would be really detrimental to his career. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I always wonder with the amount of money that he made from the Mayweather fight whether once you've got so much money that you're never going to be able to spend it. 
I just wonder if it's harder to become motivated to get punched in the face over and over again every day and train. And, you know, don't get me wrong, he's one of the most motivated fighters of all time in terms of, you know, his background and where he came from and, you know, how he came up the ranks and things like that. Um, But I just felt in the Khabib fight, like, I just felt a bit like he became so concerned with what Khabib was doing that he didn't do all the things that had got him to the dance. Like the, he was quite heavy on his feet um, and he wasn't quick and snappy with his counter punching. He was a bit sluggish. So you didn't see the corner of perhaps two, three years earlier, um, you know, when he faced Aldo or Diaz, where he was just looked quick and sharp. Um, and I, re- I really one day hope that it's possible that we get that rematch and Connor can, you know, fight at his peak and how he can fight. Don't get me wrong, Khabib's a machine and he might still, you know, grapple him to the ground and just pummel him. But I would like, do feel like Connor wasn't at his best that night. I agree with that. I think that the the glaring hole in his takedown defense, which is something we saw against Chad Mendes as well when they fought, is something that can't be ignored. And I think if they do have that rematch, they got to do it. You know, they, they got to give it some time. And Connor's got to get some more cage time in there because I, I mean that I, I don't know. Everyone has a different version of what they saw with the Habib and Connor fight. I was actually at that fight as well. And and to me, it was a one sided fight. I mean, Habib, you know, he knocked McGregor down. He he basically had his way with him, and then he ended up submitting him late in the fight. But um, I just I don't feel comfortable doing that rematch now with what's at stake with Connor. I think you got to give him a bit of a layup here for his next fight or something that's going to be more competitive, and then you know, get him towards doing that rematch with Habib. Um, and, you know, that's not, you know, and, and saying that as well, I mean, you can't count out Dustin Poirier against Habib either. So that's a fight that they could do the rematch because McGregor obviously has a win over Poirier at 45. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I thought the Cerrone fight from McGregor was a good fight. You know, it was still a fight he could lose, but I just felt that it see, felt like the right fight for him. Um rather than putting him in there with Ferguson or, like you say, Khabib. I just felt that was the right one. But again, Diaz would have been a good one. Or even, I think, Poirier is, is another one I'd keep him away from. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so just to sort of finish off then, um, how did you feel about the Cerrone stoppage against uh, Ferguson? Because uh, you could tell, as soon as he blew his nose, you could almost see his face sort of drop as he realised what he'd done. Um, and obviously he blew his nose and his eye just went closed. Um, and I know, you know, as you do, people on social media were moaning that it was a, you know, a bad way to finish a great fight. But obviously, they, you know, the doctors had to stop it. They couldn't let him go in with an eye like that. Do you agree? I do agree. And uh, any fan that says that Donald Cerrone quit in that fight, just hand in your fan badge right now. Like, come on. Mm. Donald Cerrone, of all people, is trying to get out of a fight. Like, give me a break. Like, it's it happens. I think I, this is what I think happened. I think he had it. He was uncomfortable in his nose. He blew it, and he didn't realize that that was going to puff up because that happened to Eddie Alvarez. I forget which fight it was. It was either Melendez or Pettis. I can't remember. But he had this similar thing happen, and he was able to just, uh, you know, get through it, and it didn't completely close his eye. But for Cerrone, yeah, I mean, obviously he wasn't winning, but come on, seeing this guy's quitting, like, give me a break. 
Like this is not this is the guy who fights five times a year. This guy's not quitting. He's not afraid of anything. Um, you know, it's it's ridiculous to think otherwise. So yeah, and I mean, as far as the stoppage it was the right call. He couldn't see out of his eye. That's why you have the doctors there. Um, yeah, I was I was totally fine with that. And I I don't think it took away from Ferguson's victory because I thought he was winning pl- pretty clearly going into that. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, it was not close in terms of scores and things, was it? Do you um? I feel really bad for uh, Tony Ferguson. Because he should have had a title shot away long time ago, and uh, now obviously Poirier looks. Is is that being confirmed, Poirier and Khabib, or is it? They, just they have, they have, they have confirmed that fight. Yeah. So because uh, remember they had the press conference last week. So um, yeah, right, that, that, yeah, that that fight is going to happen in Abu Dhabi. Um, great matchup. Sucks it's in Abu Dhabi because I don't think I'll be able to go cover that one. It's going to be a little pricey to go down there. But uh, no. yeah, I mean certainly uh, I'm, I'm I can't wait for that fight. That's that that's because you know honestly with what Poirier did to Holloway, I think now. I think he has a. I think he has a chance to beat Habib. I mean, I really think that he has the tools to to do, you know, things that other fighters couldn't. And Habib's obviously undefeated as well. So I'm really excited for that fight. That could be the fight of the year, right there. Oh yeah, I was I was surprised though. I thought the way as impressive as Holloway had been over the last couple of years, I was I was I shouldn't have been, but I was genuinely surprised when he lost. Even though you know Poirier's been on a tear and he's very 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 talented. Holloway had been so impressive for so long that you almost just expected him to, you know, just to do what he'd been doing. Yeah. And and just goes to show how, how much better uh, Poirier has got. Um, you know, it's tough. Max has fought nothing but killers. And, uh, you know, he was bound to lose at some, all the greats lose. I mean, Demetrius Johnson lost. I mean, you have fighters that it's tough to maintain. That's the toughest part is maintaining that winning streak. And, uh, you know, I think Dustin was the better fighter, but I think they could fight nine out of 10 times and you might get nine different results. Cause they're just so it's such a game of inches. And I really feel like, you know, um, that, you know, Holloway's is still incredibly talented. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think, you know, it's just such a, they're, they're so, they're so like evenly matched is, is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, but what weight did, uh, Connor fight Poirier at? 145. See, I would like to see that rematch now, but not yet, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, like I would I mean, like yeah, to see it, but just not yet. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I mean, someone was mentioning that today because it's a, you know, it's a fresh matchup. Actually, Brian Kelleher, when I was doing a podcast this morning, he, uh, he was my guest co-host, and he suggested that fight. If Poirier beats Habib, then... You know, it's a it's it's a rematch that Connor had won the first fight, so people could use that as as a potential for him to get it. That's the other thing we haven't talked about either. Is that like, does Connor want to fight in a non-title fight? He hasn't in such a long time. Like, you know, is 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 that the goal? Like, like is he going to be very adamant about that? Like, I'm not fighting unless it's for a title, even with his loss. Like, he has that type of power. So if Poirier wins, that's a fight that that could potentially happen. So we'll we'll have to see. But again, I don't think Connor should take that fight. He should take an easier fight. A fight that he has a chance of winning because I don't know if he beats Poirier in the rematch. I really don't. It's a big risk, isn't it? And it's exactly. a risk he doesn't need to take because he can pick his fight. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. Thank you, James, so much for joining me. I really appreciate you uh, finding the time to speak to me. Uh, okay. Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter and YouTube. 
Uh, just follow me on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. That's L Y N C H, and uh, just look up on YouTube the Score MMA, all one word. Um, you'll you'll find uh, you know all our videos. I think we're up to almost a hundred videos now. We just passed a thousand subscribers. So if you guys could subscribe, that's where you'll find all of my original video interviews. One of the things I really wanted to do when I took over this position was create original content. A lot of the sites, not going to throw any shade on any of them, but you know a lot of them just repeat the same stuff that everyone else says, and they sort of take the lead of what happens on. Uh, you know, some of the bigger sites. But for me, I wanted to focus a lot on original content. We'll cover the major news, but we also want to create our own stuff as well. I got some cool uh, interviews coming out this week. Um, you know, I, like I said, interviewed Gegard Musasi, interviewed Todd Duffy, who hasn't fought since July of 2015. Really cool stuff with him. So things like that is what you can expect on the channel. And uh, anywhere in the world, doesn't matter where you are, download the Score app on your phone. If you want to get the latest uh, updates on soccer or hockey or football or whatever, uh, it's a great app. And uh, it's the second largest sports app in North America. So definitely check that out. And you'll get notifications on when all my content is up there. So uh, thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate the time. No problem at all. And I'm going to actually, I am going to download that app when we finish. There you uh, go. So, uh, guys, leave us a thumbs up on the video. Uh, if you could give us a subscribe, a subscribe that would be great. And uh, give it a share. Tell your friends. Tell all your friends, all your family. Tell them to come and uh, take a look at our podcasts. We've got shows with all sorts of people on all sorts of subjects. Uh, and we just like to hear people's stories, talk to them. And uh, that's it, really. We'll see you. Uh, well, I'll see you next time. You can follow us on Twitter to keep up to date on upcoming contact and guests. It's at AceCast underscore Nation. And uh, find us on Facebook at AceCast Nation. And all our shows are available on our YouTube channel, but also uh, audio versions available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and more. Uh, get involved by leaving us a comment and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you again, James, and uh, thank you everyone for watching. Shut up and sit down. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap of Fightful. Checking out the Ace Nation podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.